Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. I am so excited to share that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Motto. Motto is the new no-nonsense hookup app for gay and queer people. Hookup apps have become a staple in queer culture, but they also come with bullshit. Headless torsos, blank profiles, catfishing, and endless scrolling of the grid for hours. We've all been there. On Motto, every profile is verified by a real human, and every photo has a face. Motto sends you daily matches of people who match your interests and kinks. There are no fees, no ads, and no nonsense. Get Motto today by going to tinyurl.com slash mottoblocktalk, or visit the link in my link tree. Motto, gain clear hookups without the nonsense. And as always, follow me on Instagram and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter blo- at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for its news reviews and interviews. Four drag queen adventurers death drop into the underworld, and one podcaster is about to learn just what the buzz is about Dungeons and Dragons. It's time to discuss Dimension 20 Dungeons and Drag Queens. Let's game it on. And to help me through this world is the fabulous Ajita. How are you? I am fantastic. Uh, thank you for uh, being convinced to do this. I'm so excited. I love D&D. I love drag. Listen, all you had to say was drag queens and excitement. And I was like, you know what? Listen, there are people out there who are big fans of Drag Race. And they also happen to intersect and love Dungeons and & Dragons. And I was like, you know what? It's only four episodes. I think I can handle this. It's not like I'm dedicating my life for the re- for, for the show for the rest of the eternity. Exactly. Um, this is a very, very uh, digestible four episodes. I'm very excited to get into it. Yeah. Um, listen, I, I know that campaigns can be long. And when I f- saw that first episode uh, length, I was like, oh, okay, is this going to be every episode? And I feel the feeling it's going to be. Um, but you know what? It's exciting and it was entertaining. And that's what I was drawn to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I will admit, I know jack shit about Dungeons and Dragons. As far as I've seen, the most drag and Dungeons and Dragons I've seen is when Dragula did the um, challenge and still they were like, you should probably know more because we're giving you bare bones basics. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I that's, that's my favorite part about this is that um, I have been playing Dungeons and Dragons since I was like eight years old. It wasn't by the books when I was eight. Like um, my dad taught me and then uh, my brother and I would play our own like, you know, pretend versions mm-hmm. of it. But um, I have I've plenty of experience under my belt. I'm, uh, and I have since taught at least two dozen people how to play so i'm very very excited to kind of break this down bare bones and i think even like just to kind of hint to it brennan is doing such a great job at at Mm -hmm. like hand holding and doing all these things and so i'm excited to kind of yeah i don't uh, think he realized just exactly what he's about to get himself into I, I I think he, maybe he's he's also a camp counselor for LARPing, mm-hmm. like LARP camp. Okay. So he's very used to hand-holding children, which basically is just the same thing as doing that to drag queens. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so uh, I'm very I'm very excited uh, uh, to for this journey for you. Maybe it opens something up. 
now that's the fun part here is we're opening it up for me where I'm learning, I'm understanding, I'm, I'm going along for the journey. And we're going to hope that there are listeners who are going to go along for the journey as well for the first time. Uh, so for those veterans of Dungeons and Dragons, please do not be insulted by this question. We're all going to get on the same page. But what is Dungeons and Dragons? Okay. So Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game. So there's more There's more than just D Dungeons and Dragons. It's actually a genre of game, TTRPG. So essentially what you do is you get together with some friends and um, it's less about winning, losing, and you know, it's and and uh, this this very superficial goal that some video games or board games may have, and it's about collaborative storytelling. You have uh, essentially one person who is in charge of the bare bones skeletons narrative, or uh, they could be like the narrator of sorts. In this case, it's Brennan being a dungeon master, uh, and then you have the players. You have the player characters, the PCs. You'll hear them called. Um, uh, and and those people are in charge of themselves, a character they've created, and uh, uh, essentially, if you think about it, uh, the collaborative part is if I am the dungeon master and I am telling you about the environment, about a conflict, you as a player character are going to react to said conflict and said environment, and then in turn, the environment's going to react back. So when we go and do that back and forth, we then create this narrative that is so organic and alive, and it's full of so much energy and it gets people excited. And so uh, at the end of it, hopefully you have this really uh, fun narrative and the story that you got to tell with these characters and develop over a period of time and uh and that's where that satisfaction comes from in this game it's unlike anything else it's it's why me and a lot of the other people that play it love it so much now again i i will preface it we're going to be asking questions that are very dumbed down because we're trying to get all on the same page and learn um so obviously there is a campaign which is the game you are going to play when it comes to a campaign how does it become determined how do you decide uh what characters you are playing do you always have the same type of character how do you decide what a campaign what which campaign you're going to do on a given dungeon and dragons game night hundred percent. Usually, that's up to the, the the the. If we're just talking, let's just talk specific Dungeons and Dragons. So the, the dungeon master um, uh, may have an idea, uh, a plot that they want to explore, uh, and essentially they are the ones uh, that decide like the ramifications and uh, that and the rules and regulations of which um, your your the, the the player characters will create. Uh, uh, what they're bringing to the table. So um, I have done uh, campaigns, let's say for example, uh, I had this idea where I wanted to do a, uh, uh, a suicide squad meets high fantasy, right? So mm -hmm. you've got morally ambiguous characters that then are plotted in this world, this high fantasy uh, setting, okay? So I told all of my, uh, the players to, to, I want you to create somebody who's not good by any means, but also not like chaos and in, you know, crazy, crazy evil, just kind of, just a, a not so great person that is then going to be put together in a group, forced to work together, and then the, uh, the, 
plot ensues. What I didn't tell them is that I also took a lot of uh, inspiration from like the Christian rapture. And so what I had <laughs> them play out is like, what if all of the very, like all of the good, good people in the world then start being taken in front of them. So then it becomes an apocalyptic setting. I didn't tell them that in their creating, like their character creation settings and it, and it just allows them to kind of experience the, the, mm-hmm. the narrative in uh, expectation versus, you know, the plot twists and, and things that come about. So there's a way that the dungeon master will lead you into knowing what to expect, but then, you know, you, you get to know your players, you get to know the group that you're in, and uh, and then you figure out what's okay uh, as far as twists, turns, and where you, what direction you want to take. So there's a, there's a lot of pre-planning, I would say. Sure. And when it comes to lore and terminology and everything, is it universal or is it really based on the group of people playing it can be whatever you want there are so many different source books out there that uh you can say hey i want to do uh my world in in the uh the setting of game of thrones right like uh, i want to do my world in the setting of of i don't know like spongebob like you could Mm -hmm. literally you could do absolutely anything um i a lot of people uh there's this term called homebrew uh what we're what we are experiencing and watching in dungeons and drag queens is a homebrew world that brennan has made up and the lore that he has made up um and has probably briefed these queens uh, and these players on uh, prior to so that they have a little bit of an idea of that mm-hmm. specific world and how that works. So it's up to every different game. So if I wanted to have the mystical world of Hell's Kitchen, I could do that? Uh, the very, you know, that's uh, that's a little far-fetched. I know that that's we're playing high <laughs> fantasy, but um, that is a place unlike any other. And um, I don't know if uh, the same logic applies for Hell's Kitchen, but anything yeah. else, I promise, it's it's, it's 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 fair game. Let's talk about Dimension Twenty um, and a little bit about Brennan Lee Mulligan. Uh, what do you know about the show? How long has it been around, and how did it come about? This show, okay, so the show came out, um, I, I would say as far as popularity uh, of like uh, long form uh, D&D uh, shows, uh, there was a one that predates it uh, called Critical Role. Critical Role mm-hmm. uh, uh, led by voice actor Matt Mercer, uh, played by, uh, with by a bunch of other voice actors, uh, Ashley Johnson, who is the voice of Ellie in The Last of Us, um, uh, Laura Bailey, uh, Travis Willingham, a lot, of, a lot of other ones. They probably have the most popular Dungeons and Drag uh, uh, Dragons uh, show, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's a live stream, Twitch, uh, and everything, and it has exploded into popularity. Uh, that was in about 2016, uh, and Dimension 20 came shortly after. Uh, this one is uh, more anthology, so each season, instead of it being uh, a continuation in the same world, they are radically different. Uh, that's uh, one thing I really love about how they set themselves apart. And instead of four hours 
hour episodes, which is what Critical Role does, uh, they try and keep it to two hours. So I know it's very intimidating, but this is actually the shorter version okay, right, <laughs> of, good, of good these types of of this types of, of content. So um, Brennan Lee Mulligan is uh, uh, the one who created the show and uh, and has led a lot of the stories, but uh, there is this really talented DM, Abria Iyengar, who has done it. Uh, Matt Mercer has guest uh, uh, DM'd. Uh, and it's, it, it's it, there's a lot of seasons out there and there's a lot of different content and I think it's very approachable. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, really, really cool stories that are told through it and Brennan is so fantastically intelligent. I don't know if you noticed how Jujubee was having a hard time keeping up with his vocabulary. <laughs> it, 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 he is so impeccably talented. And then also being having this improv comedy background, um, he's so quick and so quick to say yes. And it, a lot of the details he's coming up with, yeah, they are, well, some of it's pre-planned and, and very intricate, but he's so impeccably quick when it comes to reacting to what the players have to say, which I think is a really big uh, contributor to the show's success. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about a lot of his improvisation and, and the Queen's improvisation as well and how much... Uh -huh that played a part in it. Um, now, obviously we might have someone who just turned on the podcast and is listening in all this way. They're like, wait, I want to watch this. Where can they watch it? Um, it's on dropout.tv. So uh, they, uh, uh, dropout is, uh, used to be affiliated with like college humor it's got a lot of mm -hmm. those same people uh they have their own uh uh website and streaming service it's a fantastic worth it like they are uh i think it's one of the better uh, uh streaming services out there you're supporting this like this smaller company that uh uh puts out really fantastic content they they do uh, uh, a load of boatload of things. Highly recommend it. Don't be intimidated by another <laughs> streaming service. But I listen when I, when I when I started watching it because I, I use my iPad to do it so I can do my notes on my computer. I was like, why is this entire template almost identical to World of Wonder? It must be the same designers. Um, uh, it was, it's, it's everything about similar. it was the same. I was like, it's the same fucking scrolling thing. And I was like, no, don't stop on me. Um, but yes, uh, okay. Let's go through this. Let's start and, and go through some of the basics. Um, who designed the logo and why does Drag Queen's font look like intestines? Like, surely they could have beautified it and made it more fabulous. <laughs> well, okay, but there's a heavy theme of underworld. Like, Fair. you know, they they're 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 going to the underworld. They're working with some undead. Or not working with. They're they're fighting against the undead. They're uh uh it's it, i don't know i think it fits also we're all gross have you ever smelled a drag queen it's not great Ooh, that's team <laughs> um now the set that's in the middle of this table um i'm assuming that changes for each campaign and it's customized it, yeah i mean so so i i'm really excited to see what they do uh there's uh uh there's different ways to play D D where uh where you can have these visual representations i actually have uh, an example of a mini miniature uh, mm -hmm. right here. This is one of mine that I have. This is a undead dragon, blue dragon. So essentially okay. like you could set these in the center as like a visual representation for what's going on, or you can do what they call theater of the mind, which uh, Brennan does a lot where you describe everything and it's, it's, it's mainly uh, 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 verbal and so uh, what what they do really well is they have really incredible sets that kind of just paint the picture. I'm excited to see. I mean, we're only in episode one. I'm excited to see what six and what changes because 
I mean, spoiler, they're where they're starting, where you see like the temple, the tavern, mm-hmm. and everything, uh, is not where they ended up at the end of this episode. So right. I'm very. There's a lot more table space there. There is a lot more table space. I'm very excited to see what they do. All right. So Brendan will welcome us to another thrilling season of Dimension Twenty and introduce us to the Questing Queens. Um, now let's. Let, I want to talk about the costumes a little bit. And did Jeffrey Boyer Chapman do Brennan's makeup? I don't know. I. I think Brennan I could do better is, eye makeup than that. You know what? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Brennan is so like attra- I think Brennan is so attractive. He's very cute. He's very cute. I think he's so cute. He is uh, there is something about like a funny, confident nerd that I am just like taking. Yeah. I yeah. love it. I love it so much. So d- how dare you? It's not the greatest, <laughs> but I was living for the years. Now, after a massive ball broke out at the fish tank, the four travelers realized they had their own reasons for journeying to the Temple of Wraiths and a fabled legendary a legendary entrance to the underworld itself. Together, they stand a greater chance of braving the perils of realms beyond. It's time to envision the realm of Kelvorda. Uh, so is Kelvorda a... Uh, has anyone else ever played in Kelvorda? Is this a Brennan creation? This is a Brennan creation, and it's, it's it seems like it's it's a brand new setting to this season mm-hmm. that's very unique to this. So I'm very excited to see if they explore Kelvorda itself or uh, if they're going to go and stick to the realms beyond. I'm, I'm so, so excited. So essentially, I can just put letters together, create a world, and there's there that's how it works. Honestly, like, okay, if you've ever even played, did you, I, I don't know, do you, are you a video games person? Not so, not as much as other people. Well, any anybody listening, if you're listening to Dungeons and Dragons, you're, you're Dungeons and Drag Queens, or even this right now, you're gonna get a, you're gonna attract a lot of nerds and a lot of people who are playing Legend of Zelda right now, the Tears mm-hmm. of the Kingdom that just came out. Oh, there are these shrines you have to go to, and you cannot tell me they're making hundreds and hundreds of these shrines. You cannot tell me that they just took a bunch of dice, threw it on a table, and go, that's the name of the shrine. That's yeah. essentially what world building. Great. Is. I love it. I'm here for it. Now, we discussed a little bit about how much improvisation the Dungeon Master can do and what is part of the D&D universe. Um, Again, is there anything that has to be required to play? Uh, Not really. I mean, like, dice, they're, like, mechanically, like, uh, uh, dice are really important. uh, But uh, at the end of it, um, there's... The, there's so many things that are of like free will and then you have you do have the rules of the game and we can we'll touch on those a, mm-hmm. a little bit later uh, but uh, at the end of it really it's just like you have your character in on, in paper form you got some dice to determine and as long as you're creative and can be like can I do this well there's usually a stat or a skill that goes along to it. So really just kind of go in with an open mind. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a playwright. I've, I've done uh, character writing before. And this, I'm, because it's a different universe for me, I was like, oh my God, this is so terrifying. I don't know if I'd ever be able to do it. But I'm sure, I'm sure it could happen. Um, Brennan is laying it on thick. And we have Juju be asking about certain words. Is that common for first timers? How much do you need to know to play your first campaign? Okay, so um, some, some, uh, I always uh, think of those like first timer nerves, nerves as like a, uh, like a stage fright. I'm almost 
whenever I get people to mm-hmm. uh, to to play for the first time, I'm always just like, we will figure it out. Like I am am so the the, the type of person that's like allow yourself the permission to not know everything and to not be fully prepared because sure. at the end of it the feeling of actually playing is what is what's the hook and then the motivation to play and and like get into the thick of it will make you want to well like you'll like start to realize where to prioritize your preparation so i'm just like push the kids in the deep end, they'll learn how to swim, and they'll actually have a great time in, in the long run. Terrible now, obviously, <laughs> these four have a relationship to, they know each other, they have experience, They so they're able to banter off of one another. Um, is it better, more fun to play with people you know, or is it equally as exciting to see strangers come together and create a world? I think, you know what, I think if it's your first time, it's really important to do it with friends, even mm-hmm. if those friends are are not, uh, uh, are, are all, I like getting a group of people where a lot of people don't know how to play because then you have this little level of camaraderie. Um, but then what I'll try and do is I'll try and throw in one person that knows what they're doing and can kind of lead by example. Mm-hmm. But what, what you're trying to do is it's really hard to, like, Part of running a game like this is making it a safe space for everybody to express themselves and find find their character and kind of let loose and and get past those nerves uh, so that they can really uh, settle into that character because that's really the way you have the most fun. Obviously, he did a lot of vivid backstory and exposition. Um, are most dungeon masters that um, eloquent with their words? I mean, here's the thing, everybody does it differently. And and mm-hmm. that is, I think the big thing is, is that like, you'll have campaigns where you're like, uh, this is, I'm like, for me, um, I'm actually not an auditory person. I'm actually a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So visual aids help me, but some people, they, they, they don't use a lot of visual aids. I'm the type of person that likes to have, I, I, it's harder for me to do theater of the mind, um, or at least to be on the player end of theater of the mind because I'm so ADHD. I'm like, I need constant stimuli. So you'll find people that'll do things one way and you'll, it's mainly about fit. It's like a therapist in that way. Yeah, Everybody absolutely. has a different approach but uh it's about finding a really good fit all right let's go through our five people on this set beginning with brandon lee milligan as the dungeon master he's going to guide us through with our four and we're going to see a lot of artwork um and i the first thing i wrote is like who is this illustrator and it is a person named savannah golden hour who is also a drag artist um at danny Aless is their um handle very very cool i'm loving it all i like this this is a this is actually very co- i'm glad you did the research for this because it's actually very it's something that i don't think of a lot because i've come to expect it to uh, for a lot of dimension 20s where they will cut to a lot of the character art but mm-hmm. character art is actually i told you i'm very visual i will scroll through pinterest and i will find a picture of a character uh, before i'll actually make the character sheet so yeah. i know what my person looks like before I do this, and I think a, a lot of these, this this art is so fucking cool. It's yeah. amazing. Um, and I'm sure there are people on Etsy who make a living uh, creating characters for people. I mean, art commissions like that. Yeah, D and D art commissions is a great way to make a livelihood. Absolutely, so many people that do it. 
All right, so let us begin with Monet Exchange as Troyan. She is an assassin from the Merfolk. She is half Merfolk, half human, and she's elvish. She has come from a long night's work. She has a fresh kill in her satchel, and she has been alive for 242 years. Uh, same. <laughs> she has long <laughs> seek death, but has not found it, but she continues to work. She is from Everdeep, which may or may not be like Brooklyn. Um, okay, I, that, that's I mean... very interesting. I, I, mean, I don't it's definitely not bushwick because that's i'm looking at that right now outside my window what i find so funny is that she's 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 half merfolk half human and half elvish she is three quarters of a human being with three extra limbs that's how i'm thinking but um no i just i love this care i mean this is a great trope right i think uh I, especially for your first character or one of your first times really diving into D&D, don't be afraid to lean into a trope. What tropes yeah. do you like? And uh, I love that she leaned into the badass, like, cones, like Cold Stone Killer uh, uh, trope. Her mother is Queen Anira, who gives her daughter an amulet and sets her out on her journey. Cousin Jacynthia told her it was from a pawn shop, but Queen Adirna, uh, Anira says she got from a witch. Okay. Good exposition to learn about later. And Tryan must journey to the underworld to pay the debt they owe. Seven souls for each season, so Everdeep may remain safe. And Tryan Saucy, come on, Ariel, realness. I loved it. She like Monet was really like for when I was taking my notes for this, I was like, Monet is an actress. She yes. was like, what? Huh? And then it was like, uh, I think when at one point her mother was like, um, "Will you forgive me for the?" For the deal that I made, and she goes, No. And I just was so into it. And I love that. I love the idea of like this tension that they have with each other. And also, who did her mother make a deal with to save the to, to save the Everdeep? Where they have to because like uh what they have to do is they have to collect seven souls mm -hmm. per season in order to uh keep Everdeep alive. What was happening where Everdeep was falling? Why Could you imagine if it was uh, per season of Drag Race? <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's going to be the new, uh, the the new <laughs> the challenge. Is we're actually going to release you onto the streets. You have to kill seven people in order to make it to the top. Love. All right, let's move over to Alaska Thunderfuck as Princess. Not the most uh, alluring name, but Princess works. I love it, Princess the Princess, and eight foot tall. Orc. Her character is no Elvish, but she is an Elvish impersonator sometimes. <laughs> Princess is really tall, eight feet tall, and she is an orc barbarian, so she's big and scary looking, but she thinks she's really cute and tiny and petite. Same. She's really Love huge, it. and it runs in the family. She has powerful shoulders, an armored brazier, a scrunchie, and a pink tutu, and she carries a mighty double-bladed great axe. Now we're going to journey to Castle Ravenspear, the ancestral home of the Fauxhammers, including Ronarian, her father, Duchess and Earl, her brother and sister, and her family was slain. And she remembers the most is when she came home and saw the blaze. She cannot punch flame. No, no, no. But she has been betrayed. Okay. okay. I, I, so this is, I had a severe flashback to RuPaul shouting volley, 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 because Brennan was trying to tee up Alaska so hard to be like, don't run into the fire. You can't punch the flame. And Alaska sat there just like, go-to. <laughs> I, I loved it. So, I mean, here's the thing. I, when, um, 
it's people when people are like exploring the world of D and D. It's like toddlers, like it's like the terrible twos, right? They're trying to like explore the world and the boundaries of, 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 of what is possible. And some people are 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 freeze in that. And then some people are like, well, what can I do over here? What can I do over here? And it's very interesting to see how Brennan is navigating that because mm -hmm. he's so quick. He tested to see if she would pick up on that, realize maybe it's a little too early on, and then mo kept moving on. And I, I think he's just doing such a great job at his camp counselor-esque approach. <laughs> we have Bob the Drag Queen as Gertrude. She's a bit of a loner. Ever since her family cast her aside for being far too powerful, they asked her to live in the woods. She is a powerful sorceress and spends her time studying, reading, learning how to be magical, and has an inherent magical capability. She is also an incredibly dapper dresser. She has been around for a very long time and is a bit sardonic, a bit jaded. Her hair has completely whitened because of her age. It has gone from black to gray. Her skin has darkened to black, and Monet was like, uh, bless you. <laughs> so good. Her witch's hut looks over a serene lake. She got a knock from Johan Trembley, who comes from the village of Harper. He takes out part of a skull of his great-great-granddad, Norbert. Uh, and this is going to get skewed a couple of times because we start with great-great-granddad and then it gets a great-granddad and I'm like, oh, I don't know, whatever. And tells her that there is a treasure buried and wants her to find the memories of where the treasure is. She has the answer he seeks. A chest of gold is buried on the farm. She draws a map and tells Johan that his grandfather was gay. Great. You knew that was about to happen. Lovely. Can we just talk about how she is an absolute natural at this? She, she is. is like, this is what you want in like, uh, like this is your ideal D&D &D player. Everybody has a different style, right? But this is, Bob is such a fuck all like person where you're just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna give it everything. Yeah. And she absolutely did. Describing everything, everything was so picturesque and was so just so descriptive in every action. And you don't always have these visual aids. So tell me everything about your character and just paint that picture. And she fucking knocked it out of the park. I was giddy. Now, obviously, in the world of improv, it's always yes and. Uh, she played along with it. Some others were more like, okay, wait, but how do I do this first? And then, and. Um, yes. But she definitely went through it. Now, she knew her spells, too. That's absolutely. The now, Gertrude doesn't want money from Johan to remember her, but just remember her if she needs something in return. The Inquisitor of the Glaring Sun is a witch hunter, and we learn that some witches cannot die. Gertrude is no longer um, in the same place. She packs her satchel of holdings with potions, books, spells, and salts. Um, sounds like a night out of Brooklyn. <laughs> Salts. Yeah, um, absolutely. And finally, we have Jujubee as Twyla. She is a ranger, a soldier, and a fae. We all know what fays are, and she is friends with the farmer grandpa, clearly. Literally. She is from the fae realms. She is a fairy with wings. She carries a longbow and she can fly. She is petite, 4'11", but we know that people who are 4'11 are very angry because they're one inch away from being five feet. Listen, I am 5'9", and I just want that one inch to say I'm 5'10". That's all I want in the world. I hear you. I hear you. But it's not going to happen. And you all have the fairy wings. You're a fairy, but you don't have the wings to get you exactly. one inch off the ground. <laughs> now, Twyla can fly, so her height can change. She is trying to avenge her family. Now, depending on her day, she'll walk or fly. 
She's got her Kilo walking shoes on today, so she will dance and prance as she has lost the rhythm. She can camouflage and shit like that, and uh, invisibility is going to be a big part of her uh, story arc this episode. I love it. I I love it so much. And, and this is the perfect. This is the this is what I love about how maybe not knowing the game entirely creates really golden moments yes. because because you get the person who knows Dungeons and Dragons like the back of their hand and then their worldview becomes like so like you want the juvenile worldview and so yeah. what it's done is create some really awesome moments like that. So we're going to envision Twyla's last stand in the armies of Queen Titania at the top of a great hill which bloomed the all blossom a magical flower shining light as though it was a noonday sun over a fairy landscape filled with briars and roses and hedge mazes and like Jujube I was like I'm in a trance of confusion what? Those are too many words. I have no idea what you're talking about, Brennan. Well, the Feywild is wild. It's truly, Feywild is wild. Can you believe it? I, I love it so much. So it's essentially like in the D&D lore, the Feywild is, is essentially life as chaos. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's overgrown weeds, overgrown mushrooms, it's overgrown trees and, and, like pixies if you've ever seen maleficent and like the fairy world that she came Mm -hmm. in that's the feywild so that's kind of like where she's coming from and then there is isadora who is queen titania's right hand who strides to a massive iridescent silver dragon and then sorceress blood queen zarya hex brings in her army of the dead and they must protect the all blossom her friends include captain martha who is the dryad there's always a captain martha and then there's lieutenant alvin who is a chipmunk? And I, it is canon. I had to pause it because I couldn't control myself. I was, I, I was going to miss everything. It is so funny. It was so funny how that just one moment. This is what I'm talking about. The toddlers of exploring the realm of possibility. They're understanding their power. They're they're realizing what they say truly matters, and in, in, in that's the collaborative storytelling. They say something, and Brennan reacts to it, and it became a thing. Now, again, crazy, unhinged uh, poppers. I bet you have never played uh, Dungeons & Dragons and had poppers included. Poppers did not come up. You know, there's a first time for everything, but also uh, a 4-11 fairy, uh, 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 a fucking and anatomically accurate uh, chipmunk holding a bottle of poppers like this. So yeah. there's yeah. a lot of wild things here. Um, but hey. Now, Zarya Hex is the Blood Queen. Beware of her death drops. And then, out of nowhere, uh, Alvin's dead already. Why? Because I think Brennan killed him off so he didn't have to do the voice anymore. I I think, okay, I think Alvin was always going to die. You have these characters that serve their purposes, but mm-hmm. also, like, they were really trying to milk out that voice. And they it's really like, full were. on Jujubu, he's like, uh-uh-uh, Alvin tells me. Yes. <laughs> and it was so funny. Twyla is also not a swallower, uh, because she was, she, she, may, she may or not have swallowed a, a seed she's supposed to not eat. Um, I'm sure all the straights people watching this are like, what? She was, okay, she was given, okay, essentially, like, the dying wish, like, the dying, like, the last uh, moments of Alvin's life is that he takes the seed of the All Blossom so that she can carry on with it. And what do you do with seeds? You plant them, you know, it's a plant. And so, so it was just, like, passing on the lineage of this, this, like, source of life, this plant, this, 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 this source. And, um, and she uh, pops it like a sunflower seed at a baseball game. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, there you, you I'm sure you've heard other homosexuals discuss um, wanting to implant seeds into other people before. So I think that's where her mind uh, went as well. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of that, actually. No, never, never. <laughs> All right, let's go through the game a little bit, because now we're going to start learning yes. how the game is played. And the first person to have to do something will be Princess, who is asked to roll her d20 for perception check, mm -hmm. which is one of her skills. Now. D20, for those who may not know, is? Is a 20-sided dice. So, okay, the way that you, this, this is where, like, the terminology comes in. So a lot of, when you're reading, like, what a, a skill might have you do or whatever, um, uh, it'll tell you to roll, it'll be a, a number, the letter D, and then another number. The first number is how many times you roll. The D determines that whatever is following is going to be a dice. And then the next number is the sided dice that you're going to get. So you might see 2d8. And that means you're going to take an eight-sided dice and you're going to roll it twice and add those numbers together. Most of the rolls in Dungeons and Dragons are going to be skill-based or mm -hmm. like some sort of ability checks that are based on a uh, one through 20 system. The way you do this is you roll one uh, 20-sided dice and then you might add whatever bonuses your character might do. So if you're like a charismatic uh, spellcaster like Bob, uh, like um, um, Gertrude, uh, then you might be someone who's like a really smooth talker, a really good liar, or maybe a really good performer. And so uh, when you lie to somebody, you get to say that lie, and then your dungeon master might tell you, hey, that you just saying the lie is not enough. We need you to make a deception check. And so you're going to roll that number and uh, roll that dice, add your deception, and then your, the total is going to determine what they call the difficulty class. So there are, uh, it meets or beats or is under a difficulty class. You'll hear this word DC thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. So essentially, Brennan in his mind is being like, how difficult is this? And he assigns a number to pass or fail. Uh, and he's like, well, this is like a 15. So it's hard, but it's not too hard. Um, gotcha. And so you have to essentially try and beat that in order to be successful. So this is where in this game, you start to realize the, the limits of what's possible. Anything you can think of, it's not necessarily that you can do it, but you can always try. Gotcha. And so then you'll be prompted to do this. So, uh, but sometimes you're not the one prompting it. So maybe it's sometimes like in this instance, Brennan's like, you know what? I want to see if you detect something. And so we're going to have you, Princess, roll a d20, add your perception, and see what you do. And in this case, she smells cedar. So with all of this, we are going to learn that there is a character sheet. How is the character sheet generated? Is is there like a template somewhere? Do you create mm -hmm. your own? And I'm assuming all of the players have to have everyone's information. So there's no like, ah, I'm gonna do what? I'm gonna go rogue. Um, actually, so you, uh, it depends on the group. Obviously, you usually don't know what's on your uh your partner's okay. sheet uh until you like maybe see their skills in action and be like hey i've seen that person be really good at lying like uh, mm -hmm. and, and so i'm like well maybe our characters can collaborate to figure out how we work best together but yeah you're right so we we there is a template um essentially there's different boxes that you fill, fill in um but everything is based off of your six core stats your six core abilities which are your physical abilities which are strength 
Dexterity and constitution, strength, how strong you are, dexterity, how quick and nimble and, and dexterous you are. And mm-hmm. then constitution, your, uh, your, your well-being, your endurance, your ability to withstand physical things. Um, and then your mental stats, which are uh, wisdom, intelligence, and charisma. Wisdom, and the difference between wisdom and intelligence is, uh, uh, like, there's, there's the, 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 the joke that... Uh, Intelligence is knowing that uh, a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put a tomato in a fruit salad. So it's essentially like wisdom is uh, is your uh, ability to have good instincts, I would say. Sure. And then intelligence is is about book knowledge. And then charisma is a mental is 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 knowing uh, social things. Essentially, how you interact in social environments. So we really dropped yeah. the ball on this one, not having charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. Honestly, I would love, I would absolutely love a tabletop role-playing game where those are the core stats because <laughs> that absolutely is a jumping off point that could make a really, really fun model. I agree. All right. So Princess's Barbarian senses activate and she smells fire, which triggers her memory. It is the smell of cedar. So the same people who burned her family are around. See perception. We're going to enter the tavern, the Heroes Hall, in the village of Greeley, and it's on the map. We're going to see a little little, little, little thingy, like, that big, very tiny. Um, they all are together now. They get to play. The Dungeon Master has turned it over to them, and they're going to use the buddy system, and I think the buddy system was very helpful in this uh, campaign. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with... Um... Uh, whenever I tell people that this is kind of like a free will based game where you can do whatever you want, you could technically create a character. There are certain things that will lead to a better, uh, a, a more enjoyable experience than others. And one of those things is that having a sense of, uh, having a sense of adventure and having some sense of camaraderie. So it doesn't necessarily mean that having an evil character, you can't have an evil character with a good character, but I always encourage people to ask, like, what's keeping your character in the group? Because that progresses the story. It makes it a lot more fun for everybody. And then um, having a sense of adventure. No one wants to play a character that doesn't want to, like, go on the Hobbit's journey. Right. You know what I mean? So to, to help progress the story, these are always... Uh, again, not necessary, and I, I, I always can, uh, encourage people to get creative if they're leaning a little bit more to those archetypes. Um, but I think this is what Brennan was trying to do when he encouraged the buddy system. Now, there are obviously a lot of questions that's going to be asked. Is that normal for a campaign, or is it because they're all noobs? I think it's very normal. I mean, uh, there are, I, I think you just like a video game you can kind of set the difficulty Mm -hmm. if i'm with a bunch of experienced people i might i might actually punish them for for uh if if they don't know their characters or the rules of the game or their spells and if they they mess up and and i may not bring up their skills for them i'm gonna like encourage them to do that um but i think even for intermediate or, or especially for beginner uh, games, you know, asking questions is, is uh, usually, in my case, not off the board. Every DM is different, and they're going to run their own uh, game at their own difficulty. But um, I love it. I love it. So Princess wants a drink at the tavern, and Troyan has a mark to kill at the tavern. Which mark? Mark Ronson, who has committed a lot of crimes in his time, including stealing from Paula Abdul. I was 
fucking died. I saw this in the trailer and I still laughed. Yes. So hard when it played out. It was so funny. Now you knew who Mark Ronson was, right? A hundred percent. How did they not I mean, know who Mark Ronson was? How did they not know who Mark Ronson was? Absolutely. Like, it's literally like Valerie. Come on. <laughs> I hate that Uptown Funk got brought up before ba- Valerie, yeah. but well, n- neither here nor there. Gertrude walks in first and notices a lot of drinking humans and elvish people. It's now an insight check. She got a 14 out of the two. She's at 16. And she notices a woman with thick arms and thick hands. And her name is Kasra, the bartender. Butch Queen realness. Um, as Monet says, Candy Muse works there? Uh, apparently. Welcome to All Stars 8, the tavern. There is also a muscle-bound dwarf. He is 4'6". His name is Dag Strongshield. Uh, and the, the little uh, picture says, talk daggy to him. He is the bouncer. Um, I want to know who wrote those little captions on the photos. I Do you think the person was straight or gay? I oh, think... has to be a homosexual. Are you serious? They were so baseline gay. They, like, they might as well said... Yes, queen. Like it was. That's literally what I do. That's how dumbed down I make my jokes. (laughs) I am so bad with puns. I'm so bad. No, I love it. I love it. I I think it's so. I for me, at the end of the day, I was absolutely entertained. And as like, yeah. Previous seasons of, as I mentioned, twenty. Is it that comedic, or is it laid on thick for this one? Correct. So I, I, there are seasons. This dimension twenty. The other thing is, is that like it's. put together by a group of comedians. And right. so um, they really try, though they, they touch on emotional elements and try to find a level of emotional depth in their stories. Um, it's very often that you'll find where uh, like, they'll have these funny, like Brennan will uh, um, like, what was the thing when uh, Troy Ann and her mom were talking and it was about her cousin and then they like, they're like, mm-hmm. well, uh, it's not the pawn shop. It's not at a pawn shop. I got to know which, like, I got to know which, you know, witches don't work at pawn shop. They, they, they took that cadence and they turned it, turned it into a little bit more of a comedic cadence. That's very common in, in Dimension 20 itself. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so they're, they, they do tend to lean a little bit more like okay, okay. in that way. Well, Twyla's going to call him Daggy when she enters. Um, again, we're, we're leading into the gay culture. Princess wants to do shots, and they all do shots, but Gertrude doesn't drink, so she pretends. Uh, we're going to have some Orcish Grog, um, though Twyla wants water. Um, Orcish Grog. Um, what is a Grog? I've never heard of Grog before. I Grog is, I, I just I just think it's like a stupid, strong drink. It's like, you okay. know, it, it's, it's, it's so hard to, like, come up as, as somebody who's had to, like, create these worlds i honestly don't know what grog is but i am also so sick and tired of like they're like well it's either ale or ale like it's mm-hmm. like there, there's there's so many or like mead ale or mead that's what you get in a D setting uh, because taverns are such a big trope and it's like you gotta mm-hmm. have the tavern scene you gotta have the tavern scene sure and so uh you know it's 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 very played out i don't know what the hell it is but it's sizzling the the the, the floorboards was really fucking funny now like bob i'm gonna try to say this word gertrude will use prestidigitation yep prestidigitation great okay. you said it not me okay so uh uh what I loved is that Bob used the two, so the two like, like, uh, like 
spe spells that you can use like flippantly. Like those are called cantrips. They're like your level zero spells. They cost no cost, no penalty or whatever. Um, and, and she has thaumaturgy. Uh, it's as she has prestidigitation and I believe friends, the one that she did on DAG later on is, is a cantrip as well. But thaumaturgy and prestidigitation, what I love about them is that they are purely role-playing spells. They're just like, you want to change the color of something? You do prestidigitation. You want to create a small puff of smoke or a spark? You use prestidigitation. You want to slam a door open or closed harmlessly? You use thaumaturgy. Yeah, like there's, it's it's basically like the Harry Potter's like one fix sure. all like like level one student spell. Gotcha. All right, we're gonna have a new role for a Constitution saving throw, and unlike skill checks, saving throws are rolls to avoid something bad happening to you. Uh, don't drink kids. Uh, should have the water. So Troyan and Princess will roll their d20. Troyan rolls thirteen plus six for nineteen. Princess rolls fifteen plus seven is twenty-two. And our undersea assassin and our Orcish barbarian noble feel the scalding searing of the gore go down their throats and feel just the right amount of buzz. Yeah. Uh, so, fireball? Uh, fireball. Uh, okay. Well, okay, be careful using fireball in this D&D well, game. Okay, fair, because fair, that's, fair. Usually, that's usually what the wizard says before uh, all of their players get <laughs> hurt and to a blaze. Uh, my favorite is that uh, is this is when they start to realize the consequences to the free will of of D and D, uh, or as Alaska says, this game is dangerous. It is. It's very dangerous. Now it's Troyan's investigation roll, which is, which the dungeon master adds that she'll do with advantage. She gets to roll twice and takes the better of the two. Now, obviously, as a dungeon master, he can do whatever he wants. Why did she get to do this with advantage? Uh, uh, because I believe this uh, is part of her uh, skill set. Uh, so gotcha. okay. uh, there are certain things that you get to. There's different ways that your character can be good at something, um, uh, and 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 different ways to 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 show that you're good at something. Sometimes it's just you get to add a higher number. Uh, sometimes in specific circumstances, your character is like the private eye or the assassin, the one that has to gather information. And so uh, the way that they do that is this mechanic of either advantage or disadvantage, where you're rolling the d20 twice and taking either the higher or the lower depending on if you're better or worse at something now um how the odds were in this favor uh she rolls snake eyes she gets one twice not but good that's not good. what i love about this game is that you can have all of the tools for or against you and these moments make everybody's jaw drop and it sucks the energy in the room and everybody's like oh shit we all know the odds of that happening which is very low right. it, or, or, it's it's so cool we're going to learn about critical successes and failures, and this is, in fact, a failure. Um, is an overwhelming success, and a natural one is the opposite. So she's going to stalk the query. Her perception is low, which means terrible things can happen. She sees a deep red liquid pooling out of the closet. She opens the door, and on the floor are crushed and mangled bones of Mark Ronson. Uh, some killed him, but Tryon will use her spear to incriminate herself, just in case there are two possibilities find a new soul to replace it or go to the underworld and find the soul of mark ronson i mean okay i love but this is where i okay so uh uh brennan's starting to introduce more consequences here i mean you have that you have the alcohol and you have well if you're going to touch a dead body with your weapon then <laughs> maybe you are going to be incriminating yourself in some way, shape, or form. So so now 
now Brennan is like, okay, your actions actually mean something. And I'm interested to see if something comes of this. Do they dispose of the body at all? I they didn't say they... anything about it. I think he left Mark Ronson there. So that's the other thing, though, is that if me, if I were a D&D, like as, a, as somebody who has played this game over and over, I'd be like, either tell somebody so that you're not done it, or if, uh, uh, so you're not uh, put on the scene of the crime, and uh, or if your character's like dubious enough and can and has the skill set, I'd clean that shit up. Now, obviously, there's a lot of things happening in a campaign. Um, do you... Do most people remember everything or is it one of those situations where like, wait, we didn't do X, Y, Z two hours ago. What do we do now? Okay. So, so uh, uh, usually it's pretty chronological. Um, if um, my brother who I learned to play Dungeons and Dragons with uh, uh, had what uh, famously a, a TPK, which is a total party kill because somebody forgot to close the door behind them. Uh, so, so if you forget, it's uh, most dungeon masters won't let you backtrack. I mean, I you'll see Brennan do this once tonight uh, mm -hmm. in, in this in this episode where somebody says something and we'll let them uh, kind of backtrack and do something different. Um, but usually uh, you want to be a little bit thorough, but uh, uh, there are ways to do it where um, it's fair uh, and not feel like. Uh, the, the dungeon master is, is, you know, nitpicking per se. Now back in the earthy musky scented tavern, Gertrude wants to use friends to talk to Dag to find out who's been there. He's got an eye on everyone in the room and Twyla and Princess go see a small goblin man and his name is Bump Williams. Bump fucking Williams. What a name. What a, what a name. Honestly, I feel like Bump Williams sounds like the most, like he didn't play it this way. Brennan didn't play it this way, but it sounds like like that rootin' tootin' bucket spittin' mm -hmm. uh, southern kid. I, I'd imagine Bump Williams is 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 the is the southern friend that's maybe got like two brain cells left. Like, ah, I'm Bump Williams, and like just like it's it's so funny. But he now, plays you, it when so you play, differently. Do, when you play, do you do the voices as well? A hundred percent. Everybody does it differently, but I love doing voices, and I'm so bad at accents. <laughs> I just do it anyways. I have like one of my favorite voices I ever did was a character that I played for a one shot, which is a game where you start and finish in the same night, and mm -hmm. I played this like slimy like aquatic like warlock guy he's like a simic hybrid so he's like a human who is surgically like got like tentacles on him it's like real hentai without being hentai uh and i called him gleep glorp um and and his and his name was he, he would talk like this and he's like i'm gleep glorp and then when he would introduce himself to people, he'd be like, I'm Gleep Glorp. <laughs> but you could just call me Gleep Glorp. And it was so dumb, but I I was laughing. My like I it's hard for me to stay in character because I really only exist just to make myself laugh. Naturally. All right. So uh Bob Williams is gonna hit on Twilight and tells the barkeep to let them drink on his tab. Uh Kastra gives them fine elvish mead. We're back to the mead. Um Bump recognizes Princess's face. And also Bump is an impresario, a raconteur, and Jujubee doesn't know what these big words are. So Bob tells him that it's when you contour with a rat. Yeah, absolutely. Very, no very New York. All right, next point. <laughs> <laughs> 
He is willing to part of his wares for a price. And Princess thinks that Bump murdered her family. She wants to see if he's being shady. So Princess will do an insight check and it has to do with reading people, which is perfect for drag queens. I love it. I love it. I feel like reading like in the drag art, uh, you could go so many different routes. You could go like a performance check. If you were going to actually be like, well, her, like just like absolutely like read her the house down. I feel like that would be such like a charisma based role. But I, I just, I just think it would be so fun to be like a drag queen bard and like your, your art is the art of reading. It would be so fun. Now, instead she's going to use an intimidation check. She'll use the D20 and the six-sided die. She rolls a three and a one plus five, so that's nine. Not so successful. This is just a little bump in the road. Bump is into it. <laughs> just, Let's get back to Gertrude and Dag. Uh, she uses a spell and will roll persuasion with advantage, and so she takes the better of the two rolls. Gertrude gets an eight and a ten, so we're going to have an eighteen, um, and we're going to learn that's amazing for Monet. Good for yeah. her. Yeah. Um, Gertrude's friend is um, friend spell is when she takes a deep breath and her exhale is black dust that comes out her nose then wraps around their head and goes into their eyes um then she's like old friend i love this this is what we call flavor text bob is just absolutely this this spell is it's you know it's so funny i mean uh in the rule book friends because it is a, a like a cantrip a level zero spell there's actually a, a part where when the character snaps out of it, they get mm -hmm. uh, they get angry at you, uh, and to make like there have a consequence to like charming people. I'm I think for the sake of brevity, like Brennan wanted to keep things moving and didn't apply that. But what I find so awesome is just like Bob is just leaning into the flavor text. Like that has no, there's nowhere in the friend spell where it says a black smoke comes out of your nose. That's all Bob. Like that's what makes this game immersive and like so different from from campaign to campaign is when people make it their own. Like yeah, everybody casts friends, but what does your friend spell look like? It's so cool. So this was the distraction. Gertrude will ask Dag about Mark and ask if he was alone or was talking to anyone and Dag says that he was in there days ago screaming after driving his car through a portal um Dag tells her that he was talking to two folks one of them was a merfolk with a sea charm to grant legs for a time and Gertrude leans down and whispers thank you and then she blinks and snaps out the trance uh a merfolk we're going to learn is very important to the plot moving forward yeah Gertrude tells Troyan about the another mer person at the tavern and Troyan knows it's from her mother and Gertrude wants to know if it's from deep water no edgewater no deep town no it's ever deep this is, look, this is where notes are very important. I'm a terrible <laughs> note taker, uh, but I also find myself in the lore details, like, struggling. So I, I get it. I get it. Tryan says it must be from someone of royal lineage and thinks it might be her cousins. She can have legs for 12 hours. She says it's a half day's journey from Everdeep and then gets called out for, well, 12 hours. Uh, so that, that's half a day. So now she has no legs. Uh, yeah. continuity friends well but that's the thing though is that like uh is 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 these types of details are important so what i find very interesting is that very quickly monet was like uh well yes it's only 12 hours so if they have to get from the ocean to here there has to be a resting point somewhere right so mm -hmm. i as a player would be like well 
they, I mean, they even applied it too. They're like, we have time. She has to rest before, you know, she can get those, those right. legs back again. I would be like, well, let's go find that lake and see if we can't like ambush her in, 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 in maybe get a map or there's so many different ways to go about it. Um, when you look at the logics and the parameters and the limitations of, of what's happening in the world around you, right? Now, when you play, let's say you have this idea, let's do this. And then you have someone sitting right across from you who's like, I'm not going to do it. Do you, do, do you ever get mad? Do, do, do real emotions from outside the game come into the game? Uh, sometimes, I mean, there are certain uh, people that can derail uh, uh, mm -hmm. something, and there are sometimes. I mean, again, this is a team-oriented game. You're you're usually in some sort of coterie or some type of uh, ensemble or group that is essentially more or less working for a common goal, uh, and you'll have sometimes, like sometimes, there are uh, personality traits out of a game that uh, are a little bit less inclined to think of it in that team way. But again, it's, 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 you gotta have great communication, right? Sure. Uh, when you're running a game, it's important to do check-ins and make sure everybody's having a similar goal. There are disagreements all the fucking time. You're interacting with people and, and it'll, it'll feel like you're bickering on a playground, but at the end of the day, it is just a game and we're all adults here. So we actually know how to talk to each other. And at the end of it, I, I, I love that discourse because I can also separate a lot of the discourse in game. I might actually travel with my character might actually travel with someone that they don't like but it doesn't mean that i don't like sure. that person all the time and so i like actually playing out that tension because there could be a lot of character development in that. now i'm gonna go crazy and go like a crazy scenario here have you ever had an experience where two people are into each other in real life and then bring that into the game um i have never had that experience but i love playing in-game romances i think it it it, it is it's very, very fun. And uh, <laughs> it allows you to like explore. I mean, think about drag. And that's why I love that this, this show exists. It, you, drag is an extension of yourself. You can't really, uh, Brendan has this, uh, has talked a lot about how um, you can't really say things that you can't think of, right? You're all, always saying things that your brain, you know, that, that pops into your brain. But sometimes you can think of, putting on a mask or putting on a drag persona or putting on the, the lens of a character as like stained glass. You can filter out uh, or pick and choose things that, you know, you may choose not to say, that you then say, uh, or things that uh, you can, you know, focus on certain personality types of you to, to channel a certain character that may not be you. So it's, it's so fun to then explore not just getting into character, but then also building relationships with that personality type. It, I, I'm a very analytical person. I love I love unpacking emotions and philosophy and just like sociology, and I love doing it through character study. That's really what it becomes uh, when you allow yourself to have different play styles. I love that. All right, back with Bump and Twilight and Princess. He tells them he wants to be punished for his rudeness. Uh, Princess wants to punch him in the face, and Twilight likes him, uh, but it's attack roll time. Princess will use her D20, where she adds 8 to 16, which is 24. A massive fist hits the goblin. It's a very casual, but it's like skipping a stone on a lake, uh, window shattered. 
I thought this was going to be a full bar fight. And it was just a one and done. Because, you know, again, we're talking about tropes. I love a good trope. I think I think it's really fun to play out tropes in a lot of people's first D&D campaigns. But this was a one and done. That was a fucking high roll. And Brennan goes, yeah, absolutely. It's a rock skipping on a lake. But instead he hits table, 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 and then is out, out of the game. <laughs> And well, like Sonic drops a lot of shit, right? Yeah, he drops five opal clasps, which is a very fun word to say, clasps, uh, set in silver. <laughs> the gem is flawless, but contains a mist or a fog within. Princess picks them up. Now it's time for an arcana spell, and Twyla will roll her d20. It's 11 plus 2 for 13. Um, also, Juju B is 38, Brennan is 35, and he tells him that at 36, your knees will be able to tell when it's going to rain. And as a 36-year-old, that is fact. I, look, my, my, every joint in my body likes to uh, sing to me uh, uh, in the form of, uh, well, sounds like a, a cracking matzo bread. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't. I, I don't look forward to how other parts of my body are just going to absolutely yeah, it's not deteriorate fun. It's not fun. Uh, in the next 10 years. It's not, not, not fun. Spies of Queen Titania wore those wraith clasps. It was for fairies to go in disguise. They're illusions that allow you to disguise yourself as a member of the dead. Jujubee, because she, like me, knows everything we'll ask if the viewers at home why they are called undead and brandon says that they do not breathe or have blood but they move in a sinister mockery of life they can include vampires or zombies ghosts or skeletons or as Ms. monet exchange says michelle visage i had to pause it it was so perfect so I, funny this is what i love they're making they're making drag race references and drag race humor and this is i i was eating this shit up it was just kiss the whole fucking time so good good on you monet now it's category wraith clasps who's gonna hold on to them well twyla was gonna hold on to them but gertrude ain't too sure about her gertrude wants to use detect thoughts this uh, spell to find out about twyla who also tells her friends about the assassin trying to fuck up troy and standing with the queen of the underworld Gertrude will use perception check with advantage. She gets 16 plus a two for 18. They all are going to decide to hold on to their own wraith clasp, which means they have to add it to their character sheet. And this seems a bit more advanced for those travelers. Um, adding something to a character sheet? No way. I mean, it's a box and you write it in. But can I also <laughs> say as well uh, that uh, the perfect example of like maybe a little bit of trust issues in with an in inner party conflict, like that's a lot of fun to play out. And mm-hmm. this one, though short lived through a detect pot spell, which is very good play by Monet or by uh, B- Bob. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like this is the pit stop again where Bob calls uh, Peppermint uh, <laughs> Monet. Very, very funny. Oops. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, again, it can it can make some, for some very interesting story beats. But uh, yeah. We're going to meet a new friend. Gertrude, here's Wallace, the kid who got the water, say that they got the goblins' wraith clasps. And also, we're going to learn that the young, handsome stable hand is a Kelvordian twink. Sign me up. I, look, I, I immediately thought of you. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, I look forward to hearing uh, foreshadowing <laughs> uh, to his short-lived uh, uh, spotlight. Um, but so interesting, right? Like Bob's small choice of throwing up a detect's thoughts 
gives Brennan this window of 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 introducing like there's someone else here, right? Yeah. That's very cool. They notice he has a silver chain with a wraith clasp, which is deep red. Gertrude will roll the d20 to get a stealth check. It's plus three with a roll of 11, so it's 14. Her glance is shielded to not give herself away. So Gertrude's going to message Twilight in her head and tells her not to freak out and act natural so she could tell her about Wallace because Jujubee's like, wait, what? There's going to be voices in my head? Logic. I, I, me and Jujubee, we, we, I get her. I get her. But I love it, though. I love the idea of, like, First of all, don't freak out, but that's coming from inside your brain. I think that's so good. But you know what? I I love, uh, I keep saying, Bob knows her fucking toolkit. This is what, the sixth spell that she's used? Mm -hmm. And and spellcasters are fucking hard for experienced players because it's like you have, there's, there's so much fine print of what they can and can't do, but she knows her toolkit. I would welcome Bob to my table any fucking day. And Let's make it happen. Then, and, and then it allows them to do, uh, to open up the opportunity for them to chat amongst themselves in a, like in a busy crowd. And it's very cool. So Brennan's going to ask them all to do a performance check because half of the friend group is talking telepathically. So performance or deception. Princess has 12 plus 2 for 14. Troyan has 20 plus 2 for 22. She is feeling the synergy and they can all now talk telepathic conversations while maintain, maintaining to be lively and talkative. So no one else in the room knows that they're talking in their minds. I love, I would love to picture just like uh, four friends in a room, like, uh, like think of think of a bachelorette party rolls into a drag show, and then all of a sudden they just stop talking to each other and they're staring into each other's eyes because what's happening is they're talking in their brains. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious, but maybe would raise more suspicion than just like a bachelorette party walking a into a drag drag uh, show. Richard wants to follow Wallace after work and see him alone. They all think that maybe he is undead already. So time for Twilight asks for more flower water from Wallace. Five gallons of water. Um, I think that's how you drown yourself. Okay, but I will say you keep talking. We keep talking about Jujubee, probably the most most uh, uh, naive and new as far as like understanding the game. This is the moment where I am like Juju. You got it. And this is where I felt like, I know we're like, (laughs) I don't know, three quarters of the way in. This is where I feel like the momentum starts to pick up. They are now no longer the toddlers of, of exploring what reality, like where is the extent to this reality? They've had consequences. They've used their tools. They've interacted with the world around them. And now they're presented with a problem. And Juju B goes, well, he went out to the well before. That's solitude. We could catch him at the well. And so... And then on her own goes five gallons. As hilarious as that is, <laughs> and you might have to drown yourself. Uh, no questions asked. Fucking Wallace goes out there, and there you have a plan. That I was, wow, chef's kiss. So proud of Jujubee for thinking of that. So they're going to each peel out of the tavern as they straight go straight up to Wallace at the well. Princess going to drop the axe to show intimidation, and she gets an, an eight in intimidation, and Wallace is trying to cover his tracks. Gertrude wants to do Mage Hand to pop his shirt open and reveal um, the chalice. Um, okay. I, I think she wants other things with I think so, too. Come <laughs> on. That, I'm thinking that moment was in slow motion. Uh, mm-hmm. In the cinematic in the cinematic uh, animated version of this, uh, that's definitely a close-up scene. 
Everyone has to roll initiative. Gertrude gets 15 plus 3 for 18. Troyan has 6 plus 5 for 11. Twyla gets 8 plus 4 for four, 20, 14 for 22. And Princess is 17 plus 3 for 20. It's time to get this battle on. Gertrude will use her mage hand and sees the strings pop off of Wallace's jerkin, which is a shirt, mm-hmm. uh, to reveal the glowing red wraith clasp. They all notice Wallace drop the act and book it. However, Twyla and Princess will act. Twyla will use a spell and summon a beast. As Monet says, she's assaulting this man with a no-knock warrant. Bad cop, worse cop. This <laughs> oh, is a a, a, a cat tree. It's a tree that looks like a cat. And according to the thing, its name is Buddy Bear, and it's Twilight's pussy pal that has a killer catwalk. It's a panther on the I say. I I love it. I love it so much. I think it's 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 so good. But it, you know what's so funny? So so uh Dimension 20 also has a their own like uh discussion show after uh, it's called Adventuring Party. Highly recommend. Um you learn some really fun things. Um but Jujubee goes, I just wanted it to be a tuxedo cat. And it was like, and Brennan, <laughs> yeah. of course, in his like fantasy mindset was like, saber tooth, panther, big, whatever. And like fucking poor little Juju is just like, I want it to be a tiny little tuxedo cat. She loves her pussies. She loves her pussies. I, I do, I do love them too. Now, it is time for the Box of Doom, which was also Jujubee's nickname in high school. Yeah. All right, talk about the Box of Doom. So the Box of Doom is something that's very, uh, is, is, uh, is Dimension 20. Uh, they brought this up. It's a, 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 a cute little uh, box that's painted, that's got a GoPro in it, and they get a cute little shot. Uh, and it's it's those moments that kind of like, add a little bit of tension and uh, you know these these really important roles cinematically and for for this show uh you know you're not going to go to somebody's home D game and see a box of doom but you know maybe th- that's that's where you get to kind of take uh uh the idea of adding tension adding stakes right adding adding some sort of like uh, apps like uh, a, a levity or a leverage mm. to to the importance of each role, and I think um, I think that's that's been a staple since season one of Dimension Twenty, and I love that they brought it out for uh, for this. So the dungeon master rolls a five plus five, so that's a ten. Princess will roll for her athletics check. It's eight plus fifteen for a twenty-three. She will use his jerkin to tie his hands behind his back and lift him up like a to-go container. His spine snaps and folds in half. Oops, oh my god, we kill Wallace. Um, But the wraith clasp changes color, and now he's just an undead twink. And I know a lot of those. Yeah, I mean, it's usually after after a night out with their friend Tina, uh, Mm -hmm. where they start looking like that. Hashtag horse to meet disco. <laughs> Listen, they all got to witness Kylie do Padam Padam, so they 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 had a moment to they remember did. forever. They, they have their moment, there and they're their walking uh, walking back home with ninety degree spines, and you know it, that's their price to pay for it. It's true. Okay, so the spine breaking is like a wig going off. So the jig is up. It's done. Yeah. They will ask Wallace if he knows who killed Mark Ronson. Not only does he know, they know. It was cousin Kina. Where did she go? Well, she came in with some lady with white eyes and the symbol of sun god asking about a witch. Ooh, so things are connecting. Troyan will snatch the clasp and Wallace dissipates. 
they see an image of a face, and it is the face of Zarya Hex. And the mist turns to smoke, and the smoke smells of of cedar. So many things tying in, and I love that Alaska called out uh, called the uh, the undead part for Wallace. Like uh, it, it really is as a as a DM, it's really amazing when your players call your plays, and and because sometimes you'll create a puzzle that's like you make two left turns and a right, and they will be like, "Well, we can't find the button to press," and you're like, "No, no, 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 you you do that." So it's like. It's it's really amazing when people find the solutions to the things you've been holding on to and planning prior before. So honestly, kudos. Wallace's wraith class will be helpful in the underworld, but we're not quite there yet. Joanne's cousin and Twyla's evil adversary are working in cahoots. Something is foul in Greeley. In the dark distance, they see a flash of lightning. It is the Temple of Wraiths. They need to go get to the water before Kina, so they have to travel at night. But they're going to use an alternate route. So it's a group self-check. We learn that all the spells can only be used a limited amount of time. Now, talk about that. Okay, so uh, I had brought up cantrips, right? So I taught, those are our level zero spells, right? Uh, you can use those at will. Any Like, Bob has been using those left, right, and center. Detect thoughts and pass without a trace. Detect thoughts, I believe, is a level two, a second level spell. Pass without a trace is first or second. I can't remember exactly. But uh, essentially, what you have is essentially these, these what they call them spell slots. Uh, and think about them as like checkboxes. Once you've mm-hmm. used um, a first level spell slot uh, for a first level spell, um, you check it off and you can't use that slot again until you uh, either short or long rest. Uh, uh, either you take a 30 minute nap or you, you go to bed for the night. Warlocks are the only ones that get their spells back on a short rest and everybody else gets them back on a long rest. So uh, what it leads you to do is like the more powerful the spell, the you might have four first level spells but you might only have two first level spell slots. So you have your options and then the amount of times you can cast. So uh, what Brandon is trying to do here is that, hey, like even though you only can do them a certain amount of times, if you feel like you're not gonna get uh, to rest for a while, uh, this might be a smart time to use it. It's important when you're traveling to to be able to not have your travels uh, uh, be interrupted by any sort of danger because guess what that means is that you might start a fight and you might have to use more of your resources and then yeah. you might be burnt out by the time you get to your actual end goal. So, you know, that's what it is. It's resource management. management. It's a group stealth check. We learned that um, these spells can only be used once and pass without a trace will be allowing them to add a plus 10. So we have a 21, a 28, 27, and 27. They all be 20, so they're going to go straight up the cliffside. Twyla will call on the shadows to protect her friends. It's an orb of smoke and shadow. There are whispers of the language of the fairies. Um, so I'm assuming it's a lot of yes, girl, hey. Oh, my God. It's, oh. it's, it's a lot of, um, oh, hold, 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 please hold. It's a lot of... That. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would probably be my weapon of choice if I was playing. Honestly, like, <laughs> do what's the Mortal Kombat character? Uh, oh, uh, what's her name? It's like Kendra or something like yeah. that. Uh, yeah, no, so so good. That would be such a great character. 
Twilight's natural explorer ability helps them through the terrain as she scouts ahead. They behold the Temple of Wraiths where the goddess of the underworld has, was made in her honor. Her name has been forgotten. Gertrude hears a whisper in the wind saying, do you come seeking that which all mortals never to find? This makes her sad as she's been fighting to find her final resting place. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. So interesting. I mean, <laughs> this is, I mean, this is it. That first of all, I love a good Nicole Kidman AMC joke. It is so good. That would be me playing. I would throw these bad puns, these stupid references, and either people are going to cast them and laugh, or they're going to be like, are you, are you okay? I love that though. I mean, like, that's why I love to make sure that oh, like, a lot of my games, I, I don't do a lot of the fourth wall breaking, a lot of like the, the like modern references, but sometimes the, you just can't avoid them. And sometimes right. they're just so, so funny. I mean, um, but I love that they're giving them full permission to kind of like banter and like make these references that they know dearly. Cause you know, as soon as you start taking this game too seriously, you're like, look, we're all, I like Bob's playing a character with horns. Like, don't tell me I can't make it a Nicole Kidman AMC joke. Like, well, it's it's so it what's what makes it have a lot of charm. Gertrude and friends enter the Temple of Wraiths. Tryon will lead the way as she's been there many times before. One of the statues, Gargrum, looks down at the ruined circle and light gleams from Tryon's satchel. It's the OG amulet. Gargrum is the guardian of the underworld and is stoned for days, darling. They say, what business do you have with these strangers? And Troyan says they seek a traitor. And just like all of them, I was like, Wizard of Oz, this is what we're playing now? It's really true. But here's the thing is that uh, Brennan, I think here, because they start to go through their different like goals, like why mm -hmm. they're going through the underworld, right? Um, before I even say this, I don't even know if you mentioned in the very beginning of the like the exposition of of this, he also talked about the goddess of death, where if they, uh, her lost kingdom is found, she will grant boons to these people. So I oh. think there's a little there's a foreshadowing here gotcha. that might lead to them having some sort of interaction with the goddess of death, even though they're pursuing their own little bits of things. Um, I, I I don't want to lose I, I I don't want to lose sight of that little uh, seed that was sown through here. But what I find so interesting is that uh, the Gore like Brennan as this plot device is like reminding these players, why are you here? Like mm -hmm. why are you why are you set out to adventure? What's bringing you here? And I love what it turned into. It was so <laughs> funny how quickly it derailed. Twilight Princess, it's revenge. You killed my family, prepare to die. I love that reference, how to do it. Uh, yes. um, Twyla wants to restore the All Blossom. Princess wants answers. Gertrude says she has come, but does not intend to leave, but doesn't want to tell the girls yet. So it's time for deception and inside check because she accidentally spilled the beans and everyone's like, wait, wait, can we go back? We're not doing that. That's not working. Yes, this is a, the good old fashioned retcon. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I I will usually when people are learning I'll be, I I try and be a little bit more have a little bit more leeway. Uh, I'll usually give people a warning. I'll be like I try to only do this once, uh, but but I think it was necessary as yeah. somebody who loves to talk and, and I've tried to play characters that keep secrets. I have a blabbermouth too, and so I would very much do the same thing that Brendan did it if 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 I were running this game. Gertrude rolls an eight. Princess has a 14. Troyan gets a 27 and Twilight is a seven. So now Gertrude tells Gargram that she is concerned about the merfolk and help her friends. Princess clocks that Gertie is being guarded. 
Troyan wants Gertie to reveal yourself. Love the reference. Love it. It's giving a long time of yearning, no therapy in this world. Um, now we're going to have some Jasmine Petals move with the possibility of deep magic. Two avenge my peoples, one to help, and Troyan. So hashtag new Skylar sisters. <laughs> they said Junice, I said uh, Skylar sisters. I loved, I love the Junice one though. I'm so it's such a good sketch. Me too. I, Me too. I, um, I, I love this. I love this so much. The, the tension is high, and and oh, it's 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 really starting. They, they end this in such a great way. I mean, I don't know if you want to describe the. The, the whole rigmarole and the, the beautiful imagery that Ed Brennan did. It's so cool. Yeah, he, he was very, very detailed here. Um, this was one of those moments where I was like, you know, I'm not going to take notes. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to try to imagine yeah. the universe. And, and, he, and he really did. And so, so everything starts to whoosh and whirl and, and flash by him. And, 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 and then they are transported to the underworld. And that's where it ends. Right? It's time to pay a price to achieve but fall short, as Juju B says, like third place every time. <laughs> then the yarn of the world is all last place, and Juju B had that too. Queen of the Universe. I know. And that's kind of, again, going back to we've mentioned it before, that's what I loved about this whole thing. It was like they made it accessible for someone like me to go along with their journey and, and make these references that made me owl. 100%. It's it's also I also love why they're like uh, leaving in a lot of the one hundred and one of the, the game and teaching these players mm -hmm. how to how to play because it's created some really great banter from it, but also it allows you know the people who don't know D and D be introduced to this game. And I just they got to find the budget to get the kids from Stranger Things to do Dimension Twenty. Oh my God, it would be so good. I think it would be so good. They all step into the circle, and maybe their last breath in the mortal world. The ruins glow bright, light, purple, indigo, lavender, and then a crackle of red, neon orange, and the ruins begin to shift and turn the eyes of Gargrim. Farewell and good luck on your journey in the realms of death. They drop a mile a minute. Spirits of death tornado around them. Deadly magic energy pervades the air. The stone circle lands in the endless alien waste. They walk on the surface of death itself. Welcome to the underworld, and that's on that. They're in the underworld, and that's our episode one. Okay, I need to know, first impressions, who's your favorite character? I, okay, I think Alaska hasn't gotten into her character enough quite yet. Um, I appreciate the journey that Bob's character is going on. Um, I, I'm okay with Monet's again. She is, she's more of the driving force here. But I just fucking love Twyla. Oh my god, it's so Twyla's stupid. so funny. It's, it's so, so silly. I, I have to go with Bob. I mean, I, I've been t singing her praises this whole time. I am just so impressed by the, the, the depth of her character, the, the way that she knows her kid, the way she's utilizing her kid. And then at the end of it, her goal is the coolest goal in the world where I'm just like, as somebody who's been playing forever, somebody who just wants to die. And like, mm -hmm. that's, that's such a, that's so heartbreaking i am a sad sad individual uh and i cover it with lots of jokes lots of laughs and and i i think what bob is doing is she's bringing so much heart into this and you're just like you you just kind of like ache 
for yeah. for this character concept. And I just think it's so genius. I love it. And I'm so excited to see how she explores it. And I'm so excited to see if she finds finds another like second wind in life or if she finally if this is gonna end with Bob's character dying. Because I yeah. will be heart wrenched either way. Yeah, it's really cool to see how they've created this world together. And again, knowing that they do have a relationship and a history with each other has definitely helped build and explore and, and and make this world exciting. So I'm excited to see what happens next in the underworld. Okay, amazing. So, okay, this is where I want to do something that's going to be very, very exciting. I brought this up to you seconds before we started recording. And so... Mm-hmm. What I want to do is that we're going to have a little segment each time. We're going to end each podcast with, uh, we're going to create a character for you. Yes. I'm going to kind of go down through, you've, you've brushed up a little bit on, on, on the mm-hmm. mechanics of everything. Um, and we're going to go through just what I would do if I was bringing you on to uh, uh, one of my campaigns. And we're going to keep it a little open-ended. We'll give you a lot Great. of the, the, uh, the freedom here. But I have this lovely, lovely tool, non-sponsored, uh, D&D Beyond, uh, which is an online resource that has all the templates you need uh, in order to, to make your character, run your campaign. It's fucking awesome. When everybody was locked down during quarantine, we were all hopping on Zoom using D&D Beyond and playing D&D remotely. So this is what I'm going to do. Today, I want to focus on lineages. So okay. uh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, let's talk about how to apply to uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens. So going through each of them, you have um, Monet is a, uh, is a mixed lineage, uh, which is uh, merfolk. And I can't tell if she was human or elvish, but uh, the human and elvish are also uh, uh, different lineages and races that you can be. Um, then you have uh, uh, Alaska, who was princess. Princess was an orc, uh, which mm-hmm. is absolutely a play of a lineage. Um, they don't mention it, but by the looks of it, I believe Bob is a tiefling. So those horns are, this is a usually a someone who has some sort of fiendish elements, like a half fiend uh, into their humanoid-esque uh, 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 self. And then you have Twyla, who is this uh, fairy, fairy is a playable character. Uh, they are uh, of a bigger uh, uh, type is fey. There are different types of fey. Uh, they had mentioned dryads, gibbs, and everything. Uh, so let's let's get into it. I'm going to talk all right. almost rapid fire into this. So you first up, you have your aracocra. This is your bird person. You can have wings on your back, or your arms can be wings. Uh, you get a flight speed. It's super fun. Uh, but you are a bird person. You have an Osimar. An Osimar is a uh, is a celestial being. So they are kind of like humans meet angel uh, celestial beings. You have your genasis. Your genasis are your part genies. So genies uh, are derived from the elemental planes of air, fire, water, and earth. So you could be an air, fire, wa- uh, water, or air, uh, sorry, air, fire, water or earth genasi uh they are very very fun you get different little elemental uh uh, skills on top of that you could be an elf so elves are said to have drawn their lineages back to 
the uh, to the Fae, and they are distantly related. They live long lives, and there are different ways to be an elf. You could either be a dark elf, which is a uh, a drow that lives under the world, uh, uh, under the surface. They live in these massive cavernous uh, cities. Uh, you could be an astral elf that are uh, tied to the astral plane. You could be a wood elf. You could be uh, uh, a high elf. A bunch of bunch of other things. You could be a type of construct that they call a warforged. A warforged is a like steampunky like robot type person. You can either do that as a full-sized human or they have what they call an auto gnome, which is uh, uh, like a three foot tall gnome sized uh, uh, construct. You have a bugbear, which is a fey type creature. They are a long, uh, monstrous, long arms. You can be a centaur. We all know what centaurs are changelings they change their form i think mystique from uh mm -hmm. uh uh from x-men uh you could be a gnome they're just a little tiny little uh think a garden gnome there's a bunch of different versions of them uh you could be a dwarf dwarf think gimli from from the lord of the rings uh, you could be what they uh, a fairy, like we have mentioned. A furbolg is uh, a nice furry person, big cow nose, uh, tall, a little derpy, but a lot of fun. You have a gif, which is a hippo person. You have uh, a goblin, uh, which we, we've mentioned before, uh, which was what uh, uh, Bump was. Mm -hmm. A goliath is a half giant. You have a hadozi, which is a monkey person. They can climb onto things with their feet as well. So there's some uh, uh, some benefits there. Uh, you could be an orc, a halfling. A uh, halfling is like, think of, this is like the D&D version of a hobbit. Uh, okay. If you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings. There is a rabbit person. Uh, you got humans. You've got Kalishtar. Kalishtar look like humans, but they have almost like two minds. They essentially can uh, 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 talk to a spirit in their brain and they get these telepathic abilities. You have what they call a Kenku. A Kenku only speaks in mimicry and they look like ravens. So they're ravens without wings and they only speak uh, in mimicry. You have a kobold, which is a tiny, tiny dragon person. You have a uh, leonin, which is a lion person. A lizard folk, a lizard person. A Luxodon, which is an elephant person, probably sensing a theme here. Uh, the furries really take a, a, a liking. Yeah, they do. Um, you've got the Minotaur. Minotaur, very uh, classic to the, the Greek mythology. Uh, you have an Owlin, an owl person. One of my favorite new uh, uh, races, a Plasmoid. Think of, uh, think of what is the, the uh, what's the Robin Williams movie? Uh, the the, the, with the goo, the green goo. Flubber. Flubber. You could be Flubber. Okay, okay, interesting. interesting. Um, you could be a satyr, which is a, a goat half. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you could be a uh, tabaxi, which is a cat person, a thrykreen, a bug person, tiefling, which is that demon person, turtle, which is a turtle person. Uh, and... That, oh, and then last but not least, we have a Yuan-Ti. A Yuan-Ti is a snake person. So okay. I, that is a lot of options here. Mm -hmm. If there's any that you're interested in, let's just sh shout out 
how I describe them, and we can go a little bit into... Well, you, you mentioned one, um, and I am a very, very, very big fan of the television show Doctor Who. And you <gasps> mentioned um, a human with two brains of sorts. So I think I'm going to go with a Kalistar. Kalistar are really incredible. Okay, so um, they have... Uh, uh, there's different ways. I like this is where we get to kind of make the Kalashdar our own. So D and D will sometimes put out these different like uh, adventuring uh, books where you can essentially play in the worlds that they create. And Kalashdar come from this place called Eberron, and and they are attached to these spirits called Quarry, um, uh, and they are really cool. Uh, essentially, Quarry are. Uh, dream they like are their spirits that uh were part of this kingdom in this dream world um and they have since died off and uh their their consciousness have been attached to these uh this race of people uh called the kalishtar and so every time a kalishtar is born they are bonded with a quarry but what the way that i like to play kalishtars is the idea of a spirit attached to a living human being and so essentially you kind of have this like manifested uh conscience so like in the form of a spirit with their own personality so what i like about this uh what you get from this uh is you get advantage on all wisdom saving throws with that extra spirit in your brain you'll find that anything that has to do with uh taking control of your mind uh is 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 going to cause a like wisdom saving throw resisting those spells uh are going to cause that and you're going to have a little bit of extra health with this uh spirit in your brain you have resistance to psychic damage so if anybody wants to try and cause that psychic damage, you get to take half of it. And then you innately, without having to take any spells or any sort of feats, you get to speak telepathically to your friends. I love it. Oh my God, I picked a good one. Uh, it's really great. And then a lot of, they do a lot of other uh, like flavors text uh, from here. It says Kalishtar sleep, but they don't connect to the plane of dreams as other creatures do. Instead, their minds draw from the memories of their otherworldly spirit while they sleep. Uh, as such, you are immune to, the, uh, to spells and other magical effects that require you to dream, like dream, uh, which is a spell, uh, but not to spells and other magical effects that put you to sleep. So, um, you are incapable of dreaming and you cannot be forced to dream. Thank God. But, well, I know, right? Uh, but what happens is that this creates a really cool story element. Me as a DM, it's like, what different things can we touch on as like, what have you dreamt before? Because those aren't dreams anymore. They're not just, hey, I, I went to school and I was naked. Like, it was literally like you were dreaming the memories of your spirits. So I love to then ask, what does this bring up for you? Like, what do, what do you see? Your, how do you see this playing out? Like, I love the idea uh the, what does this spirit of yours have have uh uh are they were they a warrior and you're having dreams of battle uh were they a politician and you're having uh dreams of these heated arguments what does that bring up and you know i i, I i'll tee that up to you what type of inspiration does that uh uh spark for you hmm. 
Um, well, I, I feel like uh, maybe they're very similar to like a 903 year old Time Lord. Um, yeah. They've seen a lot. They've seen they've, they've seen a lot, um, and probably have, uh, even though there's only one heart, probably had a lot of heartbreak in their time, and and they're trying to find peace of that as they've been around for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and wants to find peace from all the pain of people leaving them in a variety of ways. So so I love the idea of exploring a, a, a theme and a narrative of longevity and what that means. And so like, for example, uh, Bob with Gertrude is exploring like the idea of mortality and seeking that mortality. I love the idea of like, how do you have personable relationships with mm-hmm. uh, creatures that live much less than you? And, mm-hmm. and 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 maybe you have experienced love not in this life but in in the spirit of many other lifetimes that feel like your own you know sure. like maybe this this spirit that's you know depending on how you want to look at it either haunting you or helping you uh uh is feels like your own memory you know it feels like you've lived that life and so maybe that that spirit is burdening you with oh it uh, totally is uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I love exploring that. So uh, we have chosen a Kalistar for you. Now, what you get to do right here is you get to choose a language on top of everything. Um, so common is is the language that is spoken in a bunch uh, in most campaigns. Um, you get to speak common. You get to speak the language of that spirit of yours, but you get to speak one more. Um, if you feel yourself, do you feel yourself communicating to elves, dwarves, uh, uh, demons, uh, halflings? Uh, what of those races that and lineages that I had mentioned before? Who do you see yourself having more of a relationship with? I mean, probably um, most um, elves probably live in the world of twinks, so probably elvish. I I think you would want to maybe stick around to those 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 twinky yeah. elves. You you are right on the money there. Orlando Bloom. I love it. I love it. So I think I want to stop there. We've got your uh, your your lineage, your Kalistar. Uh, next, we're going to talk about class, but that's going to happen with episode two. It is. Well, this was so much fun. I think we got through this first episode and it was insightful. It was helpful. It, it got me excited to see what comes next. Um, yeah, I'm excited to go on this adventure with you. I am too. I mean, I, I, I this has been so fun. You're such a, a, an easy person to talk to. And I Thank love you. getting to talk about what makes me excited. And it feels so good to get you excited too. Um, is this the time where I shout out my 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 socials and shit? You know it. <laughs> okay, so we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug. Absolutely. So I, uh, you can find me on Instagram at uh, at Aja You can find me on Venmo at Aja I'm posting stupid videos on my Instagram of my performances, uh, and and you can book me uh, if you want to email me at uh, uh, Aja booking at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, this was fun. And adventurers, we will be back next week with another fun episode. Amazing.